Hello and welcome to Giant Mess, a sloppy sports and entertainment talk show that covers New York Giants football, Mets baseball, movies, TV shows, and some funny life stories along the way. This show right here, it's hosted by Giant Mess. That's me, the real cinch, Neil Lynch. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the New York football Giants losing to the Philadelphia Eagles in the divisional round of this year's playoffs. It'll be a quick recap, a painless recap, I hope because that was insufferable what we had to endure on Saturday night. Seems to be just more the same when it comes to Giants versus Eagles. And then we'll take a look ahead at the 2023 offseason, some of the active contracts that might need to be reworked, some potential cap casualties. Uh, Giants free agents. Bunch of free agents that we got to talk about. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Darius Slayton, just three of many. Should we sign them? Should we let them walk? And then uh, uh, we'll take a look at the 2023 pool of NFL free agents. If we do let DJ walk, who can we sign to replace him? If Saquon says bye-bye, who do we get at the running back position to replace him? We'll also look at some top wide receivers, tight ends, interior offensive linemen, linebackers, interior linebackers, and cornerbacks as well. So with that, let's get started. Holy shit. (laughs) Whoa. Okay. Was not expecting a blowout like that. Was not expecting total domination from the Philadelphia Eagles. All signs in my head pointed pointed to them not being 100% and coming in rusty and maybe not having their mojo. And the Giants have this momentum, you know, we played well down the stretch. We beat the Vikings in Minnesota. Shades of 2007. Hard to beat a team three times in a row. You think back to 2007, the Cowboys beat us twice in the regular season. We go into Dallas and we we, uh, come out with a win by the skin of our teeth. Really thought there was going to be something similar to that. We would have paid a lot more competitive, a lot closer, and maybe we, we sneak and steal a win. Did not think that we would just get absolutely steamrolled to the point where it's like, what, what are we guys doing all week? (laughs) Like what, you know, you look at the first meeting in week 14, 48, 22, we're missing Leonard Williams. We're missing Aziz Ojolari gets hurt. Adore Jackson unavailable. Xavier McKinney unavailable. And we just got pumped big time right in the pooper. So then you fast forward to the, the last game of the regular season. Yeah, it didn't mean a whole lot. Eagles were playing for the number one seed. They played their starters. We didn't play our starters. We put in backups, backups, and we only lose by six. Looking back at that game now after seeing what happened and transpired on Saturday night, it's like, okay, the Eagles have the ability to actually dial things up and down. Like they, That's how much control they have as a roster and as a team that they can play up and they can play down. They were literally, I forget who made this comment. Maybe it was Big Cat from Barstool, but it was like Saturday night was at one point the Eagles were playing with their food. I mean, you can't make a better metaphor or analogy than for what happened. And makes me think that that regular season finale, they were just playing with their food. They knew they were going to win the game. They were just like, all right, well, when push comes to shove, We'll make a stand and we'll win the game. 
that's how little we'll get to Nick Sirianni, but that's how little the Philadelphia organization thinks of the New York Giants. They have not, and Dallas as well. I can I think you can put them in the same boat. Neither of those organizations or franchises give a fuck about us. They they think we're a joke. And uh the tides are turning. I think we have the right GM, we have the right coach, we have uh some bits and pieces of a decent roster, but the roster needs a lot of work. And the fact that we were able to get to the postseason and win a postseason game in the wild card against a fairly, I mean, a three seed, a fairly decent team. Everyone's calling them frauds, but like they did win like 12, 13 games in the regular season. And a lot of that was from coming from behind and game winning drives, fourth quarter comebacks. I get it. But you can see how if we had a different coach, we don't make the postseason. That's for sure. I mean, there's too many of these games came down to the wire, and it was like if you have Joe Judge at the helm, <laughs> we're probably four and thirteen again. So, uh, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on the Eagles game, but I mean, I, I, there's not one stat or or team stat that really is uh, that looks good for us. I mean, they controlled the clock for 35 minutes, ran the ball 44 times for 268 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, I, you know, and maybe they listen to this pod because I've said it repeatedly that I'm surprised teams don't run more on us. And for all the wins that we have, if you look at it, a lot of those teams stopped running the ball for some reason. And it's like, why? We don't have a good rush defense. If you just run the ball and stick with the run, you're probably going to come out on top. And that's all Philly did. They just ran it right down our throats. I mean, that Eagles offensive line is, I don't know how they're not, if you like, they're, in my mind, they're the number one offensive line in the league. And that's what Jason Kelsey's fat old ass. I mean, I, you know, if he's on my team, I love him. He's not on my team, I loathe him. 35 year old Jason Kelsey literally throwing Justin Ellis across a football field. Justin Ellis is like 400 pounds. And Jason Kelly, Kelsey threw him with one arm. Landon Dickerson gets hurt. Doesn't matter. Lane Johnson has like a torn, shredded abdomen and groin. You could see him during the game trying to hold his insides together. And he shuts down Kayvon Thibodeau. Just shuts down that side of, side of the defensive line. I mean, it's just like Kenneth Gainwell got 112 yards on 12 carries. I mean, if that doesn't signal, I mean, that's, and, you know, they show the replays of every run of every rush. And it's just like, uh, oh, well, they're just doubling Dexter Lawrence. Like, I, I mean, Dexter Lawrence is a beast. He's great, but like he has zero help. Leonard Williams is not playing up to his contract. When he's on the field, the Giants defense is better. Correct. But when you're paying a guy 20 some odd million dollars, a year, you need him to be a top five defensive lineman, and he's not. And you could say, and and listen, I get it. You're not supposed to make excuses, but MCL sprain to start the year, neck injury towards the end of the year, both those things affect your play. So he wasn't 100%. I get it. If he's 100%, maybe it's a different ball game. And listen, I, you got to give him kudos and praise for the fact that he's able to get his ass on the field and play through it. Great. But that's that being said, not giving us uh the best bang for a buck. So I fucking hate that we let James Bradbury go. And I triple hate that he ends up with the Philadelphia Eagles of all teams. 
on like a such a team friendly contract. <laughs> I was looking at the 2022 dead cap, which was like $54 million. Logan Ryan, Blake Martinez. It was all our free agent signings from 2020. And let me tell you something that has that combined with the 2016 free agent signings has convinced me beyond a shadow of a doubt that we should not try to make a big splash in free agency. So take a we'll take a look at the top free agents at every position, and I'm going to say basically no to all those guys. <laughs> it's going to be like, you know. I just, I still think we should have found a way to hold on to James Bradbury. Logan Ryan's a different issue. I mean, it's kind of a bonkers contract extension. You know, when when the contract extension for Logan Ryan was first announced in 2020, I was like, awesome. Seems like a good dude. Has really helped the defense. And, you know, it's only three years, so it's not like a super long contract. But then you look at the, uh, the AAV, approximate annual value, you know, annual value. And it's like, holy fuck, we really were paying him like he was the number one safety. And he wasn't. I'd say he's above average, top 15, but overpaid. We overpaid for Leonard Williams. And that was something where Gettleman obviously wanted to justify the trade in a season that was lost. And Leonard came in and he had a pretty good 2020. All right, 2021, not so great 2022. I just honestly thought there's no way they're going to blow us out again. There's just no way it's going to be another 48-22. And in a lot of ways, this was almost worse because it was like, holy shit, we're like basically as close to 100% healthy as we can be. I mean, Aziz Ojolari is still hurt. Um, they're rotating him in, but I think he played maybe 14 snaps, 20% of snaps or something like that. So he's obviously was a non-factor. Uh, Kayvon was a non-factor, though he was getting held like every other play. Um, they're doubling up on Dexter. They're probably doubling up on Leonard Williams. And so when you're doubling on those two guys, there are these massive holes. And who do you need to plug those holes? Giggity. The, the fucking inside linebackers. You got to feel like their front four were doing what they were supposed to do for the most part. It's the in interior linebackers that have to step up and make a play. And Jalen Smith is a wacky dude who has a lot of energy and it's misplaced completely, misdirected. There was one run they showed from behind the Giants' def defense. Huge hole opened up because they doubled down on Dexter Lawrence. Kayvon's like not, not a factor, pushed out. I don't even know if it was Kayvon. It might have been someone else, Jaha Ward. And so it was a big hole. Where do you, where's Jalen Smith? He's somehow directly behind Dexter Lawrence. Dude, Dexter Lawrence is taking on two people so that you can have a free shot at the running back. What are you doing? I don't. I don't even think I saw Jared Davis in on any plays uh, during this entire game. Landon Collins gets zero snaps, which is unfathomable to me that he gets zero snaps. It's unfathomable to me that like Dane Belton gets zero snaps in a game where you're getting your shit kicked in. Twenty-one, twenty-eight, nothing. You got to mix it up defensively. You got to start doing something differently because what you're doing is not working. I'm so disappointed in what Wink Martindale uh, came up with 
for this game, his scheme, his game plan was just like, what, what was your game plan? Where were the, where was the pressure? Where were the, where were the blitzes? I mean, there was one good defensive pressure. It was the Xavier McKinney strip sack and we couldn't even re- recover the ball then. So, uh, you know, I mean, just the defense was the biggest disappointment. The offense is what it is. I mean, the, the Eagles have the best defense in the friggin' NFL. 70 sacks for a reason. I mean, you want to talk about guys that are top five at their position? Hargrave, Graham, Cox, uh, Sweat, Reddick. And Dominican Sue is on the team. Like, what, are, what is happening? They, they are stacked defensively along that front. And then they have friggin' James, James Bradbury and Darius Slay, two of the best corners in, in, the, in the league. I wasn't expecting much of the offense, but I thought Kafka had enough tricks up his sleeve in his bag to give us something. I mean, it looked like he really didn't have a clue. Daniel Jones didn't look like he had a clue at all dropping back. But again, you know, I don't know that he's seen that kind of pressure. You know, anytime he's gotten pressure, especially against Minnesota or Indianapolis, a lot of these games uh, in the second half of the season towards the quarter, last quarter of the season, he gets pressure. He's able to escape, find a running lane, and either scramble, pick up positive yards, or find someone down the field. This was very reminiscent of the first quarter, first half of the season, where like he just he's not even paying attention down the field. He's not finding any lanes to run. It's just collapsing on him, and he has nowhere to go. I mean, what happened to the quick rhythm offense where it's like we're hitting guys as they're moving upfield, three-step drop, you know, get it out of your hands, get it in their hands and get them upfield. You know, um, what happened to our screen game? Not that we have much of a screen game to speak of, but like what happened to throwing it more to Saquon? What happened? What happened? I mean, you know, I understand that. Uh, look, look, dude, I get it. Maybe a reminder is, is needed here. It's necessary. Richie James and Darius Slayton were our top two receivers statistically this year. They were number five and six on the depth chart, if that. Our number one receiver got benched for God knows what. Our number two receiver got traded. Our number three receiver went down with a season-ending injury in like week three, week two, maybe even week one. Our number four receiver went down with an injury. So listen, our top four receivers went down with injuries. Same thing happened in 2017. We went three and fucking 13 or whatever it was. And, uh, and, uh, Ben McAdoo was fired in year two. So do we have the right coach? Yeah, we have the right coach. Brian Dable was able, and Mike Kafka were able to take a team missing its top four receivers completely. And they actually performed better as a unit, as a group, without those guys than they did with them. So yeah, I have felt good coming into this season about our wide receivers. I felt good about our run game. And I thought, if anything, that's the one area that the Eagles aren't super great at is their run defense so maybe let's try and die let's try and get creative with the run and run and run and run instead uh you know i think we ran 20 times for 118 yards and touchdown and 39 of those yards came on one run by saquon barkley that was basically the one major highlight positive play from this game was that saquon barkley run and even even that highlight came with a negative I saw someone tweet that he topped out at 19.1 miles per hour, which is like the lowest that he's ever, like 
rookie Saquon, 2018 Saquon scores, that's a touchdown. But, you know, dude, he's suffered so many leg injuries and injuries over the course of the past three years that it's like that's that's what you're going to get from Saquon. He's not going to be able to bust it and go, go to the house. And now I thought it was a sure thing that we were going to re-sign Saquon after the kind of year that he gave us and considering the production he gave us. And now it's kind of in limbo. We'll get to that. But just soft, all around soft. Like for as as hype as the team was in practice and as hype as the fans were, we came out just soft on our heels. I mean, I don't understand with a with a with a such a talented offense that Philly has, and I get it, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. Um, Dallas Goddard, like they, their, their targets are threats, right? And you don't want to get beat deep on explosive plays. I get it, but this is not the time to play scared. You know, against Minnesota, I get it. Seven DBs, drop them back. You know, and they'll have to try and pick their spots underneath. You come up and make a play. All right, because they don't really have a running game. Okay, that might fly. Against the Eagles, to not play physical against them. And to play as soft as we did, it was just embarrassing. Like that, that you could tell even on that first big completion to Devontae Smith down the field, forty yards. What the fuck is Julian Love doing covering Devontae Smith one on one? I mean, wide. Oh, like there's no one within five, ten yards of Devontae Smith. That's inexcusable. Dallas Goddard touchdown. It looked like a pick, wasn't a pick. Xavier McKinney slips. Isaiah Hodgins, third and short, third and four. He catches it for the first down, but bobbles it, not a first down. DJ misses Darius Slayton on a, on a streak down the left side. I mean, he beats Darius Slay, and if he catches it, it's a touchdown. He overthrows him. Daniel Jones hits Richie, like puts a ball that's catchable to Richie James, deep, deep left. Richie James drops it. Would have been a touchdown. Um, you know, it's so many plays where it's like, literally a game of inches and yeah it's gonna look like a blow and it felt like a blow but certainly the giants had certain opportunities and they just and they just let it slip through their fingers you know it's like we had second and one something like that and dj runs out of bounds instead of throwing away and now it's third and five it's just like not making good decisions the pick to james bradbury of all people to throw i mean you know just sit he's just sitting on that and salivating and of course he comes up and makes the play I, you know, the play, where was the play action? Where was getting the ball out of DJ's hands? It was just seemed very uncreative. And it seemed like any plan that we had, it's like you, everyone has a plan to your punch in the mouth. We got punched in the mouth and we were so dazed. It took us three quarters to regroup and actually put something together that looked like a football team, a playoff football team. The only play that I liked, to be honest, or that I loved that actually worked was the, the like the trick play, the touchdown. Saquon Barkley and the Wildcat, you motion out DJ and he hands it to Brita for the touchdown. That was like a thing of beauty. And we just, we saw none of that for the rest of the game. I mean, I didn't lose too much hope or faith when we were down 28 nothing, Because I was like, we're getting the ball in the second half. You score in your final drive of the first half. You get the ball back in the second half, and you score again. It's a two-score game. You're back in the ball game. 
And even when we're down 28-7, I thought we had some life. The defense started to make some stops. Um, and then the drive at the end of the third quarter was was probably the most disappointing because you have the opportunity in your hands to take control, take control back of the game, take control of the momentum, and uh, you you just let it slip through your hands. There's just no aggression, you know. It was just it just felt like we were just getting we were just getting pushed around and and I mean it was dominated. Uh, I, I'll I'll finish with this. I think um, Nick Sirianni is a dick. And I don't think that's hyperbole or an exaggeration. That guy's a doucher. I think even if he, he was like my coach, I'd be like, ugh, there's, he leaves a weird taste in my mouth. Giggity. He trolled us with Boston Scott. Going up for two, 27 nothing is disrespectful. Then trying to draw us off sides on the two-point attempt for what? And he's all the way down at near the goal line, and he's saying, I'm, I'm yelling at like the sideline staff and crew saying, I belong here. The guy's a dick, and I can't wait for next season because this is the pinnacle for the Eagles and this team. They don't have a ton of cap space next year. Neither do the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are in trouble, and I think the Eagles are in trouble. The Cowboys had their – this was their season to win the Super Bowl, and, of course, they lose to the Niners. If the Eagles don't win the Super Bowl this season, they're in for a world of hurt next season. Because the Giants are on the rise. Eagles are at, it's all downhill from here, the Eagles. And listen, that friggin' club has given me physical, mental, spiritual problems for a full decade. We have not won one in Philly since 2013. And I have to hear about that from all my Eagles fan friends nonstop. Even the fact that we've won more Super Bowls recently and like Eli Manning won those Super Bowls and was like MVP and like, they're like, yeah, but he sucked against us and you've sucked against us. <laughs> it's like, yeah. There's just no arguing with them right now. And still, until we start beating them on a regular basis and turn the tides and turn the tables, it, it's, this is, they have the upper hand right now. And it's like, I have confidence in Shane and Dable to turn around. Although maybe we'll get into the draft history, not this episode, but the but the next episode, because there is some interesting draft statistics that I want to throw your way. So this is like a huge offseason. Huge offseason. So let's talk about it. Maybe one of the most important off-seasons in a very long time. I know that uh, wasn't a whole lot that Shane could do last year in terms of offseason. He really had to to lean heavily on the draft. He couldn't really do much in terms of free agency. I think what he did in free agency were like Band-Aid moves. Like, okay, well, we need something to stop the bleeding, and so we're here. Here's John Feliciano. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but looking at the looking – so we have currently, heading into the offseason, the third most salary cap – in the NFL behind the Bears and Falcons. Um, it's estimated anywhere from 42 million to 52 million. I don't know why it's such a wide disparity, but I'm gonna go with 52 million. We have 42 players under contract. So let's take a look at the active contracts heading into 2023. And right there at the top, oh brother, old Leo, Leonard Williams, 
$32.26 million cap hit. He accounts for almost 15% of our salary cap as it stands. Base salary of $18 million. If we cut him, we'll take on $20.2 million in dead cap. So for anyone thinking that we're going to cut him, push that out of your system. However you see fit. Burping, farting, sweating, crying. Get it out of your system. We're not cutting Leonard Williams. Uh, can we restructure his contract? I think we already have once or twice. So might as well restructure it again because it would be nice to get that cap hit down because that is just like, I mean, dude, I, I just tweeted this out, but he's getting paid like a top five defensive lineman. He's tied for fourth in terms of uh, annual uh, value at $21 million. He's not. He hasn't been a top five defensive lineman. L listen, there have been games where he can just take over, and he does look like Aaron Donald in those games. But is it consistent enough game to game, season to season? I don't know. I don't think so. This season was kind of a wash because he got hurt very early on and then later on, and so I don't think he was ever, uh, like I said, I don't think he was ever 100%. And so... Um, it's hard to judge him on this season, but given that, I still think you need to try and rework his contract because that is a lot of money to pay a guy that's just not giving you the kind of numbers that you need. Again, how many times have we talked about like, okay, pressures are good, hurries are good, but it's really sacks and QB hits. Laying your hands on a quarterback, no better way to let him to get in his head and to get him uh, all twitchy and nervous and gun shy and then actually making contact with a quarterback. And is he doing that? I don't really know. And then the number two biggest contract, the one that absolutely cannot stand in the 2023 season, Kenny Galladay. Uh, $21.4 million cap hit. Almost 10% of our cap is going to this dude who did not see the field in 2022. And I've said it once, I'll say it again, I have never seen anything like this in all my years of watching football. It's, we're going on 35 years, what, 37 years of watching football on TV. I have never seen a free agent signing like this not see the field. And not due to injury, and not due to anything other than the coaching staff just doesn't think he's good enough to play. Which is... I'm sorry, that can't be right. Marcus Johnson is getting more snaps than him. Marcus Johnson, Lawrence Cager, like what? How are these guys getting more snaps? I, I cannot wait for the truth to come out on that. Um, I don't think anyone's going to trade for him. And so what are, the, what are the options? Well, if you cut them before June 1st, you inherit, four, you eat $14.7 million in dead cap. And there's a part of me that thinks that this, that Dable and Shane don't like him to the point where they might do that, <laughs> which is like, I mean, and you might say, oh, you're an idiot. Like, they're just going to wait till June 1st, because if they wait till June 1st, the cap pit, the dead cap will only be 7.9 million. And it's like, well, uh, just look at the last year. They ditched on, they ditched Logan Ryan, James Bradbury, and Blake Martinez. Now, Blake Martinez was a smart move. Because he he ended up ended up retiring, I think that that injury was a lot worse than we thought it was, and maybe there was some concerns about how much he 
wanted to play or cared about the game or I don't know. Hearsay, as far as I'm concerned, but he loves his Pokemon, you know? Or Dragon Ball Z, whatever. Uh, Logan Ryan, all right. You know, it's a lot of money to pay a safety and uh, also a safety it's not maybe top five, top ten. James Bradbury is the one that is will will forever haunt me. The fact that they couldn't and and, and again, I think this goes back to who do you believe? Because like Bradbury is saying the Giants didn't talk to me or come to me at all, and then you have the Giants saying that Bradbury refused to restructure or whatever. So it's like I don't know who to believe to be honest. Maybe Bradbury did one out because he's like this this organization is a dumpster fire and, and looks like Philly's on the up and up. Maybe that's the case, but so if you think they're not going to cut Kenny Galladay for fourteen point seven million dead cap, they did. They, in, I mean, like, look how much dead cap they took on for Logan Ryan, James Bradbury, and Blake Martinez. There was no real salary cap relief there, or not as I don't know. It wasn't. I, I just feel like it did more harm than good. But whatever. Adoree Jackson's the number. The the third. Uh, biggest cap hit and I'll say this about Adoree Jackson great tackler would love more interceptions he does not pick the ball off um, but he has shown that he can shut down opposing wide receivers do I think that they could probably get another corner for half that price that can do what Adoree Jackson does I almost think they can but again they cut him it's 10.5 million in dead cap Dexter Lawrence is number four, and he's worth every friggin' penny of the $12.4 million. And they're going to, you know, the word is that they're probably going to start talking. They're not going to talk extensions with him until maybe after next season, which, you know, it is. It, I think Shane said it was just a case of like, well, just the salary cap's screwed right now. And we'll have a better idea of what we can offer you after we wheel and deal in the next, in the upcoming months to upcoming year. Andrew Thomas, uh, $10.3 million cap hit, worth every friggin' penny. He deserves an extension and we'll probably get one. Mark Lewinsky. So everyone's uh that was a signee from last from uh, last offseason, uh eight point three million dollar cap hit. If we cut him, $8.65 million. So for everyone who's like, we need to move on, Lewinsky, cut is that? Like, you know, you're not going to cut Mark Lewinsky. Like, he's he's going to be our guard, unfortunately. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, $7.1 million uh, in a cap hit, $25.6 million in dead cap. We cut him. So, yeah, I think if we go down the line here, who's going to be a cap casualty, right? There are some guys that are making a fair amount of money that aren't going to incur a lot of dead cap if we do part ways with them. So here, here are some salary cap casualty candidates. That's a mouthful and a half uh, as we go into the 2023 offseason. Darnie Holmes, cornerback, scheduled to make almost $3 million. If we uh, cut him, release him, we incur, inherit less than $200,000 in dead cap. I tell you, hard to say. I, I think the general impression from Giants fans is they're like, juice is not worth the squeeze with Darnay Holmes. 
I don't know that he's made enough plays to justify $3 million a year. Are there better options on the market? I kind of feel like there are. I mean, he almost cost us the commander's game. There have been plenty of times where he's, he's he, I think he lead, he's got to lead our secondary in terms of uh, flags, penalties. Um, but kind of a physical guy, I, take it or leave it. You know, I think uh, I'd be okay with moving on from him, but... Yeah, again, it's not a huge cap hit, so I'm okay if we we decide to stick with him. Matt Parrott is another one that's, you know, not a huge cap hit, $1.3 million. And if we do uh, decide to release him, it'll, it'll be another $200,000 in dead cap. I mean, it feels like we heard such great things about him in training camp, like raw talent, look at his arm length, like he could be... Uh, a starting tackle and I, I don't know it seems like every time he has gotten snaps he has not performed well so uh you know and this is where we're at with the salary cap right because there are two major contracts possibly three major contracts that we're looking at in terms of guys that were on the team that we're looking to resign that would eat up a lot of cap and so you got to look for any way to to alleviate that caps cap space so that we can uh you know Bring in some known entities that we know are better than who we have because <laughs> the draft is great. We have 11 picks. Great. We had 11 picks last year. Great. And in a future video, I will talk about how, like, I don't know that you want to really rely too much on the draft because the hit rate on, the, on those things. I don't know if it's just the Giants. I just looked at the Giants draft history. The hit rate is not great. <laughs> and uh that's why you know i look at something like you know we, we talk shit about the cowboys and whatnot but like they feel like they nail the offensive line draft every time <laughs> every freaking time they nail it so would like to get into that uh that rhythm uh other cap casualties i mean ellerson smith 1.1 million dollars if we cut him it'll be a little less than four hundred thousand dollars in dead cap Shane Lemuse earning $1 million. Uh, it would cost us less than 90000 to move on from him. Um, you know, and this is savings, baby. Look at all this savings. Save, 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 save. Because, like, do you think that we can get better guys for those prices? Probably not. But if you make enough of these uh, drops, you start to add it up, you can start to get a guy that's probably the combined salary that can get you at least a little more productivity. Um, Ben Bredesen is going to make a million would cost us nothing to move on from him. But I know that, uh, you know, he's splitting time with Nick Gates, which I don't know that that's, you know, I think Dable's done this with, he did this with a Zudu and Bredesen. Um, I know that Joe judge was a fan of rotating in offensive line. I don't know that I'm a big fan of it because I don't know that it's really paid off. It's like one of these guys is better than the other. Unless you're talking about, okay, well, here's our Nick Gates playset and here's our Ben Bredesen playset. We know he does well in these plays. We know Bredesen does well in these plays. But in a sense, aren't you telegraphing that to their team? I don't know. Personally, I'm not a, you know, as someone who is in a quarterback rotation, it sucks. <laughs> I'd rather just go with a starter and have a backup. But so, you know, if they feel like, okay, well, we had a competition between Bredesen and Gates, and the, the winner is no one. <laughs> We're going to move on from Bredesen. Gates is a free agent, so maybe they move on from Gates. 
Tyree Phillips, uh, listed as a guard here, but he was a swing tackle that filled in for Evan Neal when he was out and did fairly well, as far as I can see. A million dollars, no dead cap. So I'd say probably hold on to Tyree Phillips. Colin Johnson, wide receiver that everyone gushes over, big body frame. Uh, everyone said it was like what Kenny Galladay should be. Million dollars on the cap hit, no dead cap. Again, I don't think you can roll into the 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 chatter has been the consensus has been that the wide receiver room is going to look drastically different next year, and it could be basically Wandale is like the one carryover from year to year, which is out of six, seven, I don't know how many receivers we've had this year, but. So I, you know, honestly, it's like, let's talk about this guy who looks good in preseason and training camp and like give him another shot, or let's just go out and like draft known receivers who are going to ball and free agents that we know have, have put up numbers in regular season games. That's where I'm going to put most of my focus and most of my, uh, my capital, most of my money. It's like improving entities that are, uh, don't get injured. And that uh, give you consistent, dependable play. I don't think Colin Johnson falls in that in that category, so I'm okay if they decide to part ways with him. Um, Rodarius Williams is another one, another recent draft pick, earning almost a million dollars, a million dollars, and he'd be less than ninety thousand to cut. So I, you know, I'd like to see us bring back Jason Pinnock. He's less than a million. I think he made enough plays to say, okay, that's good depth right there. Nick McLeod. Under a million dollars, I think he's another good depth piece. Again, depth piece, backups who who uh, you feel good in coming in, coming in and and uh, performing, you know, up to snuff with the starters injured or whatever. And Isaiah Hodgins, eight hundred seventy thousand dollars on the on the on the books, no dead cap. I think that's someone that you keep on the team. So I mean, there's a lot of like one million dollar players here where it's like like Ryder Anderson. I don't know that you saw enough out of Ryder Anderson to say, yeah, definitely we should keep him. My my point here is there's a lot of these guys that are like million dollar uh, players, less than a million dollars. It's like if you wipe them clean and you say, we're just going to spend $2 million per player. You know, let's just let's bump up the salary a little bit and let's try and get some, some players that um, – have been proven entities in the NFL. That's just, I think that's the approach you got to take. Like Solomon Kinley is making $940,000. That guy is on the Giants. I didn't see him at all. <laughs> Jack Anderson, $940,000. Almost cost us a game. You know, there's a lot of players here where it's like, it just feels like we can get better depth pieces, but I don't know. I'm talking to my ass, out of my ass. So over the cap, seems to think we have $42.8 million in effective cap space. And, and if we do a simple restructure, which is converting payments, uh, base salary into prorated signing bonuses within the remainder of the contract, um, and, the, and the Giants could do this without any ne- action necessary from the player, uh, potential of $32.7 million in restructures. Which that sounds great because that that puts us in that seventy five to eighty five million dollar cap space range, which uh, feels a lot better, especially after we make uh, some in house moves. Wink, wink. 
nudge, nudge. And then if we do a maximum restructure, it could be uh, an additional $60.6 million, which will put us up above $100 million in cap space. Now, the maximum restructure is where you increase the amount of cap space via conversion into prorated signing bonuses by either extending the contract or by adding void, void years to a contract that does not extend the contract but only uses a placeholder for proration. Um, the, that would need the player's consent to execute. And, that, and I think the most recent example of this is James Bradbury because I look at his uh, his contract on spot track and it's like he's earning like maybe a million something this year and then he has like all these like five or six void years that are that are like pretty substantial or either the same or more um but he's a free agent he's now a free agent or well he will be a free agent after the eagles lose in the freaking conference championship um so yeah that's that's where we at we're at with active contracts and cap space so let's look at giants free agents and the two big ones daniel jones Saquon Barkley. Those are the two big ones. And that's been the question for most of the season. I think if you ask a lot of people before the season, they would say pass on both. <laughs> that those people that are still so butthurt about the fact that we drafted Barkley number two overall in the 2018 draft, get over it. Think that he's lost a step, which I'm not arguing with, and that he's not worth the uh, the money or the effort and that you it's not a running backs league. Running backs are not a top position anymore. They're just very anti-running back for whatever reason. And uh, they feel like um, he's a burden on on our cap and that money can be better spent elsewhere. I just love the freaking guy. He's like a superhero and I can't bring myself or bear watching him make plays for another team. Not that I'm not used to it by now. Having seen the likes of like Evan Ingram, Kadarius Tony, like all these guys that were on our team that are just find a way to to make highlight plays somewhere else um, and not do the things that killed us when they were on our team. Interesting. So we we exercised a $7.2 million option for 2022 back in April of last year. His market value is, uh, according to Spot Track, is four years, $47.8 million uh, with an average. Uh, annual salary of around 12 million which would make him the eighth highest paid running back in the league the contracts comparable to those signed by joe mixon dalvin cook christian mccaffrey and alvin kamara it's a pretty good class of running backs to be a part of and hey listen i get it Christian McCaffrey was on the Panthers the Panthers sucked he goes to the 49ers and the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl Joe Mixon is on the Bengals. Bengals went to the Super Bowl last year, probably going to the Super Bowl this year. Dalvin Cook's on the Vikings. I'm not going to touch that one. Alvin Kamara is on the Saints. You know, real great in fantasy football. So apparently Joe Shane spoke. And while it seems like Daniel Jones is pretty much a lock to come back, it seems like things are not as sure uh or certain with Saquon Barkley. Although I think there was an interview with Barkley after the loss, or even the next day, day after. And it sounded like he's willing to he's willing to be flexible and negotiate and he wants to stay with the team. So I say, you know, you know, let's uh I say bring him back. Four years. I mean, how old is he? He's like 26, right? 
Let's check it out. 25 years old. He's going to be 26 uh, in like a couple weeks. So that would put him at age 30, and that's about the time that he's probably going to ride off in the sunset. You know, a lot of these running backs, they don't really make it past 30. I think that's when Tiki started to think about retirement was age 30. Um, and he finally had somewhat of a good offensive line, a better offensive line than in more, in more recent years than he's had. I mean, he didn't ha- he he basically didn't have a good uh, a average, even an average offensive line for his entire career until this year. Now, this offensive line, not so great, pass protection, better in, uh, in run blocking situations. So can you imagine that once we, you know, Evan and Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas are your bookends, you're going to stuck with Glowinski, Feliciano and Gates might be gone. So you're looking for a center guard. I don't know if you have that much confidence in, in Bredesen. If he's split in time with Gates, I think he's more of a backup piece. And Josh Azudu has his pluses and his minuses, pros and his cons. Is he good in pass protection? Yes. But does he stink and run block? No. I, you know, it's like not exactly, you know, high grades in each aspect. So I think they fixed the offensive line. They couldn't really fix it. They addressed it last year, but they couldn't really fix it. And I don't know that they're going to really fix it this offseason, but it's going to get a little better. It got a little better last offseason. It's going to get a little better this offseason. And then, you know, so by the time his contract is up, I feel confident that he'll have another four 1,000-yard seasons. And, uh, you know, will he be a Hall of Famer? I don't know. Um, But I certainly think he can go down as one of the franchise's top running backs, right up there with Tiki. I'd like to see that happen. We need to knock Tiki off the pedestal. <laughs> I can't. It's tough looking at like you know franchise leaders and seeing Tiki up there and, and knowing that he's so despised. And a lot. I mean, you know, I get. You know, I think uh, as time goes on, like that'll wear off, and like people will come around and be like, "Yeah, Tiki's like he's all right. He's an all right guy. Gave us a lot of great moments." Uh, so it's up to me. I'm signing him. You know, and I you and I play the hometown card the hometown favorite and say, you know, Hey, you built the team. It'd be great to see you retire as a lifelong giant. And I think this, you know, if this isn't the final contract, you know, that puts him at 29, 30. And it's like, at that point, you're probably going to be starting to split carries, you know? Um, Cause it, I mean, you see the toll that it's taking on him. And so maybe uh, it'd be nice if they don't have to rely on him that much. You know, I'm, I think towards the end of his career, you, you'd look to do 50, 50 with someone that would be sweet. But I, I still think that, you know, you don't go to 50, 50 next year in terms of workload, but I do think you need to like maybe lean on Matt Breed a little bit more, who is also a free agent or bring in someone else um, that you feel is going to be the next coming <laughs> The second coming of Tony Pollard, which is uh, odds are not great. Um, so I say bring him back. I know that a lot of people are like, no, running back is is not a valuable position. It shouldn't it shouldn't command a lot of your cap space. Shouldn't be a good big cap hit. But I mean, I just point to Christian McCaffrey on the friggin' Niners, dude. When you put McCaffrey on a team that has a, a good rushing attack. And that knows how to utilize him in the passing game. 
you see what kind of difference it makes. They haven't lost a freaking game. I think the Giants, Saquon can be that for the Giants. If you surround him with, you've got a decent play caller in Kafka, and hopefully they don't lose him because I, even though I, uh, you know, I have my beef with him in certain respects, especially the Philadelphia game. I mean, that was like, what are you doing? But uh, I think you got a, a creative play caller. You, your offensive line is going to get better. Um, no, he's not as explosive as he was as a rookie, but that happens with time. He still has some eye-popping plays this year. I mean, just look at his freaking highlight reel. He runs like a maniac when he's healthy. And he's strong, and he's and he's faster than most guys. I just, I, I, I don't know. He'll be very sad if he leaves. I'll be very sad. So next up, Daniel Jones. If uh, you know, ask anyone before the season. Hey, do you do you want to sign Daniel Jones to a three year contract, uh, seventy six million, seventy seven million dollars? Do you want to do that? It's like, uh, no. <laughs> Like the, the team did not pick up his fifth year option. It was available. They would have paid him $22.3 million and he didn't pick it up. And you can read into that all you want, but I think that's more of a case of, uh, yeah, we can't afford that. <laughs> like, was, I'm sorry, we can't afford that. Um, we just can't afford that knowing uh, your injury history, uh, your uh, proclivity for turning the ball over, decision-making, et cetera, et cetera. And then he comes in this year and uh, looks like if we do re-sign him, it's going to be more than $22 million. Average uh, annual salary of twenty, almost $26 million, which would make him the 15th highest paid quarter, quarterback in the league. So for everyone saying, oh, that's too much money. Ugh, $26 million for Danny Dimes? Not, uh, can we pay him in dimes? I 15th. 15th, and when we get to the free agent, the NFL free agents, not the Giants free agents, but the next section, Giants free agents, I mean, uh, NFL free agents, you're going to you're gonna shit your britches when you hear some of these uh, approximate annual uh, values that some of these quarterbacks are going to command in the market. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I needed a moment <laughs> because I saw some numbers floating around. I was like, what? That guy? So, uh... I think that's perfectly reasonable. I think uh, three years, you combine him with Saquon for the next three, four years. Um, I'd be shocked if we don't get to the Super Bowl, dude. I mean, we're I, I just feel that good. Um, you know, it, this isn't like the 2016 team that's going to go into 2017. Ben McAdoo lost control of the clubhouse. And it doesn't sound like that's the case here. I think that was a lot of the weight and blame fell on Ben McAdoo. And a lot of the blame fell on freaking Jerry Reese, dude, who was the GM at the time. And that's why they they canned him after the 2017 year. And they brought in Dave Gelman. And we'll look at Jerry Reese's draft history in another video, in a future video. I just don't think we're going to get to it today. But Jerry Reese was didn't have like a huge... I mean, he had a decent hit rate in terms of like starters quality starters in the draft but not a lot of pro bowlers not a lot of all pros so uh a lot of guys that were just like there and like helped 
And it was mostly Eli winning a lot of those games and, and a guy that was undrafted, Victor Cruz. I mean, holy crap. So um, that contract, that DJ contract, three years, $77 million, is comparable to one signed by Mitchell the Bitchell, Trubisky, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jameis Winston. So it's not like, you know, for everyone who's like, it might clutch their pearls at like that cost, that price tag. I mean, we're getting him for the equivalent of those guys with the potential of him being better than those guys. I mean, that's the hope, right? It's like we we always talk about like, please, God, be better than Mitch Trubisky, Tannehill, Garoppolo, and Winston. Garoppolo is an interesting one that we'll get to in a second. All right, so say, yeah, I say yes to DJ signing him. I say yes. Let's keep the consistency. It's, we're building something here. And even though uh, Shane and Dayball are the new guys to the, to, the, to the clubhouse, to the organization, and they probably want to do things their way with their guys, it's hard to argue with the kind of produ- productivity you got out of Jones and, and Barkley. And they tested Jones, and he passed in the training camp, if we remember from last episode. Dayball, re- Dayball re- revealed that. So... They put them. They put their. They put their. Uh, what is their toes to the fire, nose to the fire, face to the fire, and I think they passed. I think you got to give them a grade, a passing grade, and I think uh, they showed that they can, with the prop appropriate play calling and scheme, um, can give you everything. That, I mean, without them, who knows where where we're at this season? <laughs> I mean. And, you know, also it's like the alternatives. Saquon, maybe not so much. There, there, I'm not going to argue with that. There are definitely alternatives that would suffice. Um, I don't know that there are many alternatives for, Dan, for replacing Daniel Jones. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. But Sterling Shepard, and I know this is going to be an op- unpopular take, but whatever. I don't think you resign him. I think you pass. Unless we're talking like bare league minimum. Um, I mean, it's just too many injuries, bad injuries, really severe injuries that I just don't think you can come back from. And like, he looked okay. The, the beginning of this year, I mean, he had a long ass touchdown against the Titans and seemed to be, uh, is always a great, um, last resort safety valve on third down. He's going to get you that first down over the middle, tough yardage, tough catches. I just don't see it. And he's and and like, that's why I think they're probably going to resign him. But the stone cold businessman in, in me is like, I just we got to move on, or at least we'll just sign him to the bare minimum because like I just can't stand the field, dude. And like, great for the locker room. So even if you like, maybe you just I don't know, you find out where he is physically, and you say, hey, here's the, here's the deal. We want you to be part of this organization, no matter what. What's that going to take? And uh, and address it from there, but as just purely as a player coming back off like oh, so many horrific, gruesome, bad injuries, I don't know that you can fork out another three, four million dollars. I know in the grand scheme of things, it's not a huge cap hit, but it's a lot of money that could go to like a guard or an interior linebacker or a corner, you know, a nice depth piece maybe. Nick Gates is a tough one because I know he's another guy that uh, everyone loves. Listed as a guard, people think he's going to move to center. Um, do you re-sign him? Tough as nails, great story, comeback player of the year, potentially. 
uh, I just don't know. I just don't know. I mean, if he was, maybe this is a case of the injury, maybe like playing, coming back from an injury. So it's hard to, maybe I shouldn't make a judgment on him, but it is a contract year. And it's like, dude, you were, well, you were also splitting time with Bredesen and you couldn't replace Feliciano at center. Honestly, if he's that good, wouldn't he have replaced Feliciano at center or been the full-time starting guard? Just my two cents. But he, again, he's coming back from injury, so I guess that's part of it. It's like they don't want to um, overwork him and then re-injure him, I guess, is the, is the, is the uh, MO there, the goal, the approach. But uh, if they don't re-sign him, yeah, I'll be sad, but I just I'm not hard pressed to resign him. I'm not hard pressed to resign John Feliciano. I don't know how he's a Pro Bowl alternate. Um, decent PFF grade, but nothing great. Uh, I just think we can do better now that we have cap space. Justin Ellis, pass, my man, pass. I've never seen a bigger man get more ragdolled on on a football field. I just don't get it. He's so big. And yet he just, he gets plowed. Nick Williams, I, he must have got hurt or something. I didn't see much of him on the field. I am for re-signing Matt Breida because I, I still think we haven't tapped into what he can provide to us. I think we probably should have leaned on him a little bit more so that Saquon wasn't overworked and not as banged up. But I get it if they don't want to re-sign him. I get if they want to bring in someone that can they feel is a little more... Uh, they feel like they can t- elite, take some of the the pressure off of Saquon. I get it. I don't see any reason why you wouldn't re-sign Casey Kreider, the long snapper. I don't think we ran into any issues there. <sighs> this is a tough one. Jihad Ward. I don't know that he really did much that would stand out in the stats column and the box score. It just felt like he gave a shit. <laughs> that was just refreshing to see that he just... he was intense, emotionally trying to get his team fired up, um, good for the clubhouse. I personally would re-sign him as a depth piece, but again, it's okay if they decide to go in a different direction. I'd pass on Tony Jefferson, uh, strong safety. I'd pass on Jamie Gillen. Bon voyage, Scottish hammer. It's been it's been real. It's been real. I can't even do a Scottish accent, which sucks because I am Scottish. I should be able to do that. Um, Richie James is a big one. Do you re-sign him? Hmm. Kind of feels like you're going to move, you're going to split with Galladay. So you're down one. I don't think you bring back Sterling Shepard. So that's two. So then you have Wandale. Do you bring back Darius Slayton? And then you have a, a you know, you have a bunch there. They're just, uh, Hodgins. And then it's like, meh. And he was kind of clutch at times. Big drop against the Vikings, I get it. Big drop against the Eagles. Um, but as a 5-6 depth piece to step in when you got injuries, I don't hate it. And it's, it's crazy to say that because I know we were like, shoot him into the moon after he fumbled two punts. But like, maybe not return punts. It's okay. Find someone else to return punts. Fabian Moreau, do you resign him? I mean, fairly admirable job considering like he didn't start the the season with the team, came in after Aaron Robinson got hurt and was underperforming. Um, again, good depth piece, knows the system, Wink is comfortable with him. I'm partial to resigning him just because 
I don't think he played that bad, but understandable if they want to upgrade there. Pass on Marcus Johnson and pass on O'Shane Zimenez. Boy, oh boy. And that hurts. Ox, dude. Really thought that he was going to be something special. Really thought that he was going to turn out to be something more than he was. And it looked like in training camp in the beginning of the season, he kind of recaptured um, what we were so happy about with him and I think his rookie season. And then uh, it just tapered off and fell off. Julian Love is a big one. So I'd say this is the third free agent, Giants free agent, that is uh, in the pecking order in terms of priority. You got DJ number one, Saquon two, and then it's Julian Love. Julian Love is only 24 years old. His market value, according to SpotTrack, five years, almost $40 million, which would be an average salary of almost $8 million, which would make him the ninth highest paid free safety. Something about that doesn't feel right. That contract is comparable to those signed by Rayshon Jenkins from the Jaguars, uh, who I'm very familiar with. Not very familiar with, but I know well enough that he's a pretty damn good ball player that has altered games for the Jags. Tracy Walker, I don't know. Jordan Whitehead, I don't know. Chuck Clark, I don't know. So I can't really speak to those guys. But the the I think the 24 years old, the age thing is so huge. You know, he'd be 29 at the end of the contract. But is he a top 10 free safety, dude? I don't think so. So that's a tough one. I'm going to go with yeah. Strictly based on him being young, maybe he continues to develop, he continues to improve. He's, it's it's like it's not like he's peaked and he's this is on the 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 wayside of his career, the downside of his career. I think he's his trajectory is up and up and up. So, I say I say pull a trigger and maybe he does become a top 10 free safety, especially under uh Wink, who I don't, I don't think Wink Martindale's going anywhere. Wink Martindale's not going to want to be a head coach now, right? He's a defensive coordinator through and through. So let's just give him the money he wants and continue to to get better on the defense on that side of the ball. Give him the players that he needs to make this a top ten unit because it it, it had it's shown flashes of being a top ten unit when they're all healthy and all on the field. Not obviously not against Philly, but I think uh, you know that's why we're looking to replace guys like Darnay Holmes and Fabian Moreau and Jalen Smith and Gerard Davis and uh, you know stuff like that, things like that. And then the last but not least, number four in our priority of of Giants free agents in my mind, wide receiver Darius Slayton. This is a guy who uh, inexplicably was just going to be cut <laughs> in preseason in the training camp. I, I don't get it. And I've watched guys like Ruben Randall ruin <laughs> Eli Manning. No, he didn't ruin him. But, I mean, I you know, I, I would say if I said to Giants fans, hey, name a wide receiver that frustrated the fuck out of you for multiple years that you wanted to be better and you just couldn't couldn't get there. I would think Ruben Randall's up there, like pretty high. Do I think Darius Slayton is Ruben Randall? No, but goddamn, it's getting close. I mean, uh, 
big drop against the Vikings in the playoff game. Uh, just really catchable, easy balls that he keeps dropping. You know, so it's just stuff like that. Not coming, little little things. You know, there was a pass to him in the Eagles game where it's like Blankenship that, uh, I guess a rookie safety or something like that, is coming up and charging hard and Slayton's just sitting there waiting for the ball. It's like, go get the ball. And you don't have to worry about Blankenship coming in and uh, it was a DPI, but whatever. We're not going to call it. So I've just seen a lot of good. There's a lot of bad, but I've seen, I think I've seen more good than bad. And yeah, he disappears sometimes. But we've said there are games where he can look like the number one and there are games where he can look like a number four or five. His market value, according to Spot Track, two years, $7 million, $3.5 million a year. That would put him at like the 62nd wide receiver uh, in terms of contracts. It put him at 62 among wide receivers. The, the contract would be comparable to those signed by Kendrick Bourne, Braxton Berrios, Traquan Smith, and Khalif Raymond. So you're not really breaking the bank, but you have a guy that could break it to the house. I mean, that's the kind of player he is. He's one of the few Giants receivers that has been able to get separation and to get to get open. And I think he's shown the ability to to go up and and have contested catches. He didn't have a ton of them this year. Of course, there was the the one against Minnesota, which would have been nice if he came down with it in the end zone. But I mean, how old is he? He's also not that old. Twenty six. Two years, he's twenty eight. And then you know, if he gives you more of the same over the next two years, then all right. Lesson learned, but I still think that I have enough faith in Darius Slayton to know that, uh, although I don't think this coaching staff does. So I would, I, you know, me personally, I would run it. I would want to resign him, but I think they, I think they probably move on from him. I don't know that he's assuaged their fears. Is that a word? I don't think he's um, dispelled their concerns. Like they were going to cut him. <laughs> they were going to cut him in training camp. And then he would turn out to be statistically, I think he's the number one wide receiver on the, on the Giants, which is saying a lot. Um, so, yeah, I say yes to Saquon, yes to DJ, yes to Julian Love, and yes to Slayton, although I don't think it's going to happen. And Saquon might not happen, which is crazy. So, all right, let's do go through some scenarios, some options here. This is These are the 2023 NFL free agents. Say the Giants are like, you know what, Daniel? It's been real. Thank you for everything you've done. Sorry we screwed you up. Sorry we screwed you over, but we're going to move on. New coach, new GM. We probably wanted to do this last year, but couldn't. Our hands are tied. And I know that John Mara loves you, but we're going to go with someone else. Are they going to find that someone else in the free agent class of 2023? Well, let's take a look. 38 quarterbacks are going to be free agents. Are free agents. Top of the list, Tom Brady. You're not you're not signing Tom Brady. <laughs> I don't know where he's going. Uh there's been talk about like the Raiders, the Niners, the Jets. Uh I I don't think he goes to the Niners. I think the Niners have their guy in Brock Purdy. Why would you do anything else? And uh, more likely than not, I guess he wanted to go to the Raiders. I know that Dana White was saying he's going to go to the Raiders before he went to the Bucks. So that looks like the top candidate. I don't know that he's going to return to Tampa. I think the the bridge has kind of been burned there. No fucking shot he goes to the Jets. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, 
So no, we're not going to get, we wouldn't sign Tom Brady. We could have Baker Mayfield for $6 million a year. We could have Sam Darnold for $5 million a year. They've won games. Do they, are they going to win a lot of games? I don't know. You know, maybe in Kafka's system, they would. Here's the one that really jumps out to me. Well, there's three that jump out to me, and I'll get to them in a second. Teddy Bridgewater, that's a hard no. Dude gets hurt way too much. Case Keenum, no thanks. Mason Rudolph, good luck. Jacoby Brissett, $5 million a year. Andy Dalton, $7 million a year. <laughs> Mike White, no. Guy can't stay healthy. Taylor Heineke, $19.8 million a year. Almost $20 million a year. And I like Taylor Heineke, but I don't think... Better than Daniel Jones? I don't think so. So there are three guys that are at the top of the class of free top free agent quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo is the third ranked quarterback in that class, or in terms of, well, maybe fourth in terms of contracts. $35 million a year. You're going to sit there on your high horse in your ivory tower looking down at me and say that you would pay Jimmy Garoppolo $35 million a year to be the Giants quarterback. Get the hell out of here. Geno Smith, almost $40 million a year. You're going to bring back Geno Smith after one good year for $40 million a year. And then Lamar Jackson, $40.7 million a year. Can you believe that Lamar Jackson is only going to get less than a million dollars more than Geno Smith in terms of AAV? No. I mean, maybe Lamar Jackson, You, but then that eats up pretty much all your cap, you know, barring in the current cap environment that the Giants have. I guess you wouldn't, you'd either, you'd have, you'd sign Lamar and, and Saquon and then that's it. Or you don't sign Sa Saquon, you sign Lamar, and then you have, I don't know that you have a whole lot to play with uh, to sign any any other free agents. Quarterback's not the problem. Running back's not the problem. And he, Okay, so say you, running back is the problem for you, personally. You're like, ah, fuck it, I don't, wanna, I don't want Saquon on the team anymore. Takes up too much space, and he's too injury prone, blah, 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 blah. All right, fine. Let's look at some of the other free agent running backs. Kareem Hunt. 27 years old, two years, uh, 14 million total, $7 million a year. He'd be the 10th highest paid running back. My guess is uh, probably not. Jamal Williams, also 27 years old, two years, $8 million, $4 million a year. I'm a big fan of Jamal Williams. I think a lot of people are. Very tantalizing. If they do decide to move on from Saquon, is that the guy that you you bring in as a bridge as a stopgap? You pair him with Gary Brightwell. You pair him with whoever you bring in as a third running back. You have a three-headed monster type situation, Earth, Wind, and Fire potentially. <laughs> and uh, I don't know that I really hate that if Saquon goes somewhere else. Josh Jacobs, if you're not going to pay Saquon Barkley, you're going to pay Josh Jacobs? Yes, he's younger. He's 24 years old. Four years, $51 million, 12 million, almost $13 million a year. He'd be the third highest paid running back in the league. And I guess if you're going to move on from Saquon and you're, it's not a money thing, then you go younger with Josh Jacobs. Raheem Mostert, who, just, who broke his hand one year, $2.2 million. Maybe that's an upgrade over Matt Breida. Donta Foreman, one year, $3.45 million a year. 
you know, if Brita, if you decide Brita isn't your guy, maybe Foreman's is someone that you can bring in to lighten the load for Saquon. Samaji P. Ryan, the Bengals, one year, $3 million. Big physical guy. I think, uh, you know, I don't know if he'll be a change of pace from Saquon so much, but uh, definitely could uh, pick up some tough yards that I, I don't think Matt Brita can. Miles Sanders, he's not going to sign with us. Two years, $14 million, $7 million a year. Um, Jeff Wilson, 27 years old, one, one year, $3 million. Meh. David Montgomery, three years, $21 million, $7 million a year. I don't know how old David Montgomery is, but that's intriguing. I would not pay Damian Harris $21 million over three years. Tony Pollard, three years, $27 million. I guess if you're going to move on from Saquon, can you can you lure away Tony Pollard from the Cowboys? who probably understand and recognize that Ezekiel Elliott is not the long-term solution and that they're probably not feeling great about that contract he signed. Um, Devin Singletary, Buffalo Bill, three years, around $5.5 million. You know, is that a guy that you say, you know, it's a lot of money to hand out to, you know, would you sign him to be your number one? Because I don't know that the, you would want to sign him at that rate to be your backup. And James Robinson, four years, $50 million, around $4 million a year. Um, don't know that he'd want to split carries or be a backup because I think that was the issue in Jacksonville, maybe. So other than like maybe Jamal Williams, P. Ryan, Foreman, like those are the three guys that I feel good about um, in like a backup situation. And I don't know if you can slot them in as the number one, unless you want to sign two for the, you know, whatever, you know, 12 million a year that we're going to pay for Saquon, he leaves, you can now pay two guys to come in and compliment Brightwell. So is that you bring in Jamal Williams at four and you bring in Dante Foreman at another four. You have two guys that have shown that have proven that they can have a lot of touches and uh, be productive. All right. Kenny Dalladay is gone. Sterling Shepard's gone. Darius Slayton is gone. Richie James is gone. We need some wide receivers. And sure, it looks like we're going to draft a boatload of wide receivers in, in the in the upcoming draft. We have 11 picks. If one of them pans out, great. I don't think two of them if two of them pan out, like that's a home run. You're not going to get three guys in the draft that are going to come in and, and be productive and make plays and be starters. So I think they do dip into the – if they don't re-sign Slayton, which I think is probably a mistake, if they don't re-sign James, which I think is less of a mistake but would be nice insurance, this is what they got to deal with. Very big class of free agent wide receivers. Not exactly the best class of free agent wide receivers. Um, but, you know, and there's also a lot of receivers in the draft. So a receiver, as much as people are pushing on getting a receiver, it's like I think there are plenty of options that are out there. And given the cap space that we have, I think we should be able to secure at least two or three guys to come in and be competitive through the draft and free agency. Free agency, you got DJ Chark, Detroit Lions, 26 years old, three years, 28 million, nine million a year. Not a huge fan of that. Marvin Jones, um, who's like 33 years old, who actually I think was in a training camp with the Giants a couple of years ago, two years, uh, 
almost $7 million. I'd pass on that. Alan Lazard, 27 years old, three years, $33 million. Average salary of uh, $11 million. I am going to pass on that. I just uh, kind of on the older side, and who knows how much of his success is due to Aaron Rodgers. The number one wide receiver in this free agent class is Jacoby Myers from the Patriots. Only 26 years old. Spot track has him at four years, $50 million. That's $12.5 million a year. I'm going to pass on that. I'm going to pass. Deontay Hardy, New Orleans Saint, 25 years old, three years, $25 million. Average salary of about $8.5 million. I don't know enough about that dude to make a valid decision on that, so I think I'm going to pass. The number two wide receiver in the free agent class among wide receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster. Four years, $58.6 million, $14.7 million a year. It's a big price tag. It's a big price tag. And he's 26 years old. I think, I don't know that he had that great a year with the Chiefs. I think he played better with the Steelers. I think I'm going to pass. A.J. Green is 34 years old. No thanks. Olamide, 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 Zakaias. I'm just going to call him Oz. He's 25 years old. This one's intriguing. And I don't know if it's because of the name, but 25 years old, two years, 7.5 million. There's something about, I got to look up his stats, but I, I don't, think he's from Plainfield, New Jersey. Interesting. And he had a pretty he had his best year last year. Started 13 games, 40 catches, 533 yards, three touchdowns, uh 8.7 yards attack, uh target, six, almost a 66% catch rate. So nothing crazy, but maybe this is like he's definitely on trending upward. I think I might pass on it, but that's hard to pass on cuz I feel like that's a nice 3-4 situation. Now, it's not the wide receiver one that everyone's hoping for that we get. I don't, just don't think we're going to get that. You know, let's talk about uh, Brandon Ayuk and DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm just like, Kenny Galladay has ruined me when it comes to free agent wide receivers. Ruined. I mean, ruined. I am at the point now, and I think... I almost feel like Joe Shane is in the same boat where remember Joe Shane's comments at the, at the trade deadline saying like, don't shop when you're hungry. We're obviously starved for wide receivers, but that doesn't mean we're going to go out and splurge or sacrifice or give up a lot of draft picks and sacrifice our future or long-term efforts for a short-term gain. And so I think you're going to see something similar with, with the free agency. You know, I don't think people, you know, we do have more cap space than we did last year, but that doesn't mean that he's going to go out and sign the top wide receiver or the top linebacker, or the top guard or center uh, or corner. It's just not in the cards. What I would love to see him do is sign that mid-tier free agent, a guy that's not going to cost you a lot, but just plays every game, doesn't get hurt, plays average football. Because <laughs> we don't have, there's so many positions that we had this year where it's just not close to average. Matt Collins, 29 years old, one year, 2.4 million. Nah. Mikol Hardman is interesting, 24 years old, four years, $44 million, average salary of 11 million. 
That one's a little interesting to me. Still a little too pricey for my taste. Paris Campbell's only 25. It would be one year, $2.5 million. That's somewhat closer to what I would want to target and what I think that, that Shane's going to end up signing. He's going to sign like two or three guys that aren't going to break the bank, that are on the, on the youngish side, that have gone through their rookie contract and have shown promise, similar to like we were talking about with uh, Oz, Olamide, Zakios, someone who has like improved each year, has gone through the rookie contract, fairly young, 25, 26, 24, and uh, they can probably coach up. So it's like, is Paris Campbell one of those guys? Is is Oz one of those guys? I thought DeAndre Carter was younger. He's not. He's 30 years old. One year, $2 million. And, um, and then T.Y. Hilton, 33 years old. Two years, $12.5 million. Pass. Right? Let's get some, let's get two, maybe three wide receivers and free agency. Let's sign them all to like two, three-year contracts with an average value of in that three to five, two to four range. I think if you can get three guys, two guys, three guys like that, feel a lot better about your wide receiver room because it's youngish. I don't know that you need an older guy to come in and like start. I don't know. I don't know that you had there. There are too many veteran wide receivers willing to come in and coach a bunch of younger dudes. You know, not a lot of Chris Carter's out there. Uh, so I'd say let's stick with guys that are just coming off the rookie contracts that have shown promise over the first four years of their uh, their rookie deal. Tight ends. Okay, you say, oh, Daniel Belladrin's Belly's nice, but it would be nice to give him some help, compliment him, so we can do a lot of two tight end sets. That would be nice. Um. Mike Gusecki, it's the second ranked tight end in the free agent class. Four years, $32.8 million with an average salary of $8.2 million. Make him the 16th highest paid tight end, which is interesting. I think, I just don't think we're going to pick up a tight end in free agency. I mean, there's Dalton, Dalton Schultz, who is a cowboy, there's no way he's going to go with the Giants. And plus four years, $60 million, $15 million a year. Get the hell out of here, dude. He'd be the second highest paid tight end behind, I'm assuming, Travis Kelsey. We're not bringing back El Evan Engram, I don't think. Two years, $15 million, $7.5 million per. He's the 18th. Uh, that would be make him the 18th highest paid tight end. I just don't see that happening. Austin Hooper's 28. No thanks. Robert Tanyan Jr. is also, I think, like 28. Um, one year, $5 million. Eh. Hayden Hurst, 29 years old. One year for almost $4 million. Meh. Irv Smith, 24 years old. Two years, $20 million. $10 million a year. That feels high. I don't think he's worth that. And then Foster Moreau. Tight end for Las Vegas, four years, $36 million, $9 million a year. For some reason, I feel like I'm a little bit more open to that. 6'4", 250, uh, fourth round pick by the Raiders in 2019. Um, didn't really play a whole lot his first two seasons, and then he started 11 games in 21 and then 14 games in 22. 30. 
more than 30 catches in each of those years, more than uh, 12 yards of reception, um, three touchdowns in 21, two in 22. You know, he gets about two receptions a game, around eight yards a target. A lot of money to pay him. And yeah, he did have to split time with Darren Waller, so maybe it's a case of like, because um, I don't think Bellinger, you know, Bellinger is not the type of guy that's going to go out there and get you five, six, seven, eight catches in a game, 80 yards, like a Dallas Goddard or Schultz or Kelsey. Belly feels like he's more of a two to three catch tight end. So, and you're not paying him a whole lot. So to bring in Moreau, he doesn't have to worry about Waller, a Waller-esque type player. Like Waller would be the kind of guy that would get seven, eight, nine targets in a game, right? Um, Belly's not going to get seven, eight, nine targets. So is Moreau your pass catching tight end? I don't know. Because I feel like Belly is more of a run blocker, great in play action with the little peel out, little, uh, leak in, into the, the flat there. Um, so is Moreau going to be your pass catching tight end? I don't think so. So in talking through it, I think you pass on Moreau because I think you have other positions of need, but certainly you know might be worth a conversation. <laughs> I don't know. So looking at the offensive line, there are 40 free agent guards, according to Spot Track. Yeah, good old Justin Pugh, 32 years old. Uh, pass. Roger Saffold, 34 years old. Buffalo Bill, one year, 5.4 million. The age kind of throws me off. I don't really know, but he is a Bill. So does that mean that Dable is, is like, uh, you know, more inclined to sign him because he has a, an existing relationship with him. Maybe I'm trying to think of like older offensive linemen that like there was, what was it? Uh, Glenn Parker and Lomas Brown, you know, in uh, 2000, both of them were like in their thirties and immediately gave, gave us a huge boost in the offensive line, but then they were done by 2001, 2002. So I don't know as a stopgap, as you try and coach up some of the guards that you draft, maybe, I don't know. Isaac Sumolo, number two ranked guard by PFF uh, amongst free agents, guard, free agent guards. 29 years old, two years, 24 million, 12 million a year. I don't, I just don't think he's, I don't think he's going to leave the Eagles or want to come to the Giants. Wes Schweitzer, guard from the Commanders. 29 years old, four years, $13.8 million. Eh, pass. Trey Turner, another guard from the Commanders, 29 years old, two years, $2.6 million a year. I wouldn't hate it if they sign him as a depth piece, but I don't know, or to compete for a starting spot. Maybe? I don't know. Evan Brown. I think this is the one that, uh, one of the guards that I would like to for them to go after pretty pretty hard. 26 years old, three, the uh, market value is three, three years, $32.7 million, an average salary of $10.8 million. Uh, so Evan Brown is on my short list of guards that I think they should pursue. He played for the Detroit Lions. Uh, Dalton Risner is on my short list as well. I think I have him just slightly above Evan Brown, but uh, 27 years old, played for the Broncos. Market value is four years, $38 million. It's around $9.5 million a year. Um, you might remember him as the guy who was tearing into Brett Rippon on the sideline. <laughs> Not a great look, but, you know, I think, I don't know. I think uh, 
that would be a nice addition. That would be that would be huge. O- Ode Abushi uh, from the Rams, thirty-one years old, two years, two point one million mm, pass. And then two other guys that I think should warrant serious consideration. So Evan Brown and Dalton Risner are the two that I think they should pursue hard. And then uh, you have Nate Davis, a 26-year-old guard from the Titans. Three years, $22 million, average salary of 7.4 mil. Or uh, this up-and-start, up-and-comer, upstart guard from the Ravens, Ben Powers, uh, who apparently is the number one ranked guard in the free agent class by PFF. No market value on him. But I would assume he would come close to that 9 to $10 million range. So... There it is. I think uh, it's between Brown, Risner, and Powers. I think if you're going to make what would be considered a splurge in terms of guards, that's the the three that you should go after. Um, in terms of centers, if we do move on from Feliciano and Gates and you need a starting center, there are 22 free agent centers. Um, and there are one, two, three, four, five, six that I think we should... Uh, well, not six, probably five, probably three. <laughs> One of them is Connor McGovern, center for the Jets, 29 years old. Uh, spot track has him two years, $25 million, average salary of $12.5 million. It's a bit rich for my tastes, so I'd probably pass on that. Pass on Jason Kelsey, you fuck. Hate your guts, even though you're hilarious. Uh, so, no, no, thank you, Jason Kelsey. I don't think he would sign with the Giants. Anyway, no matter how much money we threw at him, uh, we'd probably sign him to like a, a big deal, and then he he'd immediately shit the bed to to like as like a covert agent for the Eagles. Garrett Bradbury, center for the Vikings, four years, forty seven million dollars, almost twelve million dollars a year at pass. Bradley Bozeman, twenty eight year old center from the Panthers, three years, thirty six million, twelve million a year pass. I think this the number one free agent, which is weird. Number one ranked by PFF is Ethan Pochick, center for the Browns. 27 years old. Market value is four years, $28 million a year. Average salary, $7 million a year. Pochick signed a one-year contract with the Browns after beginning his career with the Seattle Seahawks, faring much better under the tutelage of offensive line coaching savant Bill Callahan. Pochick's 79.2 overall, 71.5 pass blocking, and 79.2 run blocking grade are all career highs. And it's great to see him able to return from a knee injury to close out the year. Cleveland has two of the highest paid guards in Joe Batonio and Wyatt Teller, and the team extended right tackle Jack Conklin for the end of the season, so it seems possible Pochick will reach the open market. Hmm. So he's super interesting and not that crazy expensive. I assume once word gets out he's the, he's the number one ranked center, um, that price tag goes up, but worth a, worth a look. And then Aaron Brewer, Aaron Brewer, center for the Titans. He's a restricted free agent, so there's going to be some luggage or, or baggage that comes with that. But 25 years old, four years, $22 million a year, average salary of $5.5 million a year. I think I would be inclined to, um, but do you want to sign him and give up a pick? We have a ton of picks, so I think it's, I don't know, it's almost worth it. So yeah, I'd say Pochick and maybe Bradbury or Bozeman, but those seem really expensive. I'd go with Pochick or Brewer uh, if you're going to sign a free agent center. And then on the defensive side of the ball, 
We have uh, the number one ranked inside linebacker, according to PFF, is Levante David is 33. I would say pass. I would say if we were maybe in win now mode, we're one player away. Uh, we f- we feel good about our Super Bowl hopes next year. Maybe you look into Levante David and and pay him that kind of money as a mercenary to come in and shore up what what is already a solid defense. But I just feel like we we need a lot of <laughs> hope on the defensive side of the ball, and I don't think Levante David's gonna do it in a year. You know what I'm saying? Devin Bush, this was interesting. He's only 24, and maybe just something's going on with Devin Bush that I, I should be aware of, and I apologize for not knowing more. Spot Trek has him as one year, $3 million. It seems wrong, but I could be wrong about that. Um, Anthony Walker, 27-year-old, Cleveland Brown, one year, $4.4 million. I like that. Uh, and then we come to one two three four so uh, there's there's Leighton Vander Esch from the Cowboys he can go uh take a long walk up a short pier same with TJ Edwards I just don't think you're gonna get an eagle or a cowboy to sign with the Giants I just don't I just don't see it but uh so they're kind of off my list and that's just my bias so deal with it so there's four yeah, four inside linebackers that I think that we can target and go after that would be good, good signings. Okay, good signings. Um, David Long, he's the second ranked inside linebacker free agent, free agent inside linebacker. He played for the Titans. Uh, his market value is two years, $10 million. So he's less than $5 million average salary. PFF said the Titans ask a lot of their off-ball linebackers and Long can do it all. His 89 uh, run defense grade in 2022 ranked fourth at the position with 13 tackles for loss, tied for 12th. He's downhill, attacking brand of football. I love that, dude. Helps him blow up a lot of plays, but also makes him particularly susceptible to overcommitting on play-action passes and missing tackles when he takes a poor pursuit angle. Clearly an ascending young player contributing immensely to Tennessee's defense. Finished first in expected points added per rush. And uh, his first full first full season as a starter. Um, his 19.8% pass rush win rate and 23.8% pressure rate are both second best among off-ball linebackers. Hmm. I me likey. I don't know. I, I like that a lot. I think that's that's a low risk high reward type investment so i dig that uh what is he how old is he he's only 26 so i think that's that's worth a that's worth a second and maybe even a third look dude uh next in the list of of the short list of inside linebackers i would target and consider jermaine pratt from the Bengals. his market value is four years 29 million which puts him at an average salary of around 7.3 million PFF says with both Bengals starting safeties, Jesse Bates and Von Bell pending free agents, a big extension for T. Higgins in play, and Logan Wilson. Pratt should hit the market after a career year. His 90.1 career, 90.1 coverage grade was the best in the NFL. That is music to thine ears. Love that. Didn't mess, didn't miss many tackles as a run defender. Awesome. Whiffed on just 5.9% of opportunities. And uh 
His 90.1 overall grade since week eight was top among linebackers. So Jermaine Pratt, keep that name on your lips because I feel like that's a, a guy that we could um, we should pay some serious mind to. This is going to be a little bit of a controversial one because I know he almost tried to decapitate our lovely Daniel, our lamb Daniel, as uh, Clem says from Barstool Sports. Bobby Okurky, Okurk from the Colts. 26 years old. If you don't remember, when we played the Colts, he had 17 freaking tackles. His market value is two years, $4.7 million. So very, very affordable. He stepped up in a major way. PFF says that he stepped up in a major way after uh, the team lost Shaquille Leonard. His 79 72.9 grade ranked 23rd of the position, so not that great, but uh, it was stout against the run with 13 stops. Um. Tied for 13th most. Back-to-back seasons of at least 100 tackles and 50 defensive stops. Uh, former third-round pick. Room to grow as a coverage player. Mm. 6'1", 235. A little undersized, but moves well in space. So uh, that feels like if we miss on some of these other guys, I wouldn't hate it if we bring in no Kirk. If that's like who we end up with, I think I'd be happy with that. But the guy that um, I don't know that I'm necessarily the highest on, but I think we're most inclined to sign given his history, Buffalo Bills linebacker Tremaine Edmonds. He's 24 years old, market value of four years, $44 million, with an average salary of 11. PFF says Edmonds made huge strides in coverage in 2022. Uh, freakish athlete. Uh, selected 16th overall in the 2019 draft, was the second youngest player in that class. His 86.9 coverage grade was third best, uh, forced an incompletion on 10.3% of targets, um, allowing just four explosive receptions the entire season, which placed him ninth among linebackers, and uh, only missed 6.5% of tackles, the lowest rate of his career. So... Methinks if we do want to make that big free agent splash at linebacker, which is our, in in my honest opinion, our most, like, we need an inside linebacker so bad. Um, would be nice to get just an average inside linebacker, but I think where we, where would you want to spend most of your money? I don't think it's wide receiver. I think it's either uh, offensive line or inside linebacker or both. Um, cornerback is that's a tough one too but I think we've shown that we can get by with the secondary we have we cannot get by with the, in, in, the linebackers in, interior linebackers that we have so I would say if we're probably not going to make a ton of splashes like it's like okay if we do make a splash here's the one guard that we'll do okay if we here's the one linebacker and nothing else so it's like that's what I was trying to give you is like okay one guy per position that we would splurge on. And then, you know, you had to go from there. Um, Tremaine Edmonds would be that guy only 24. So lots of upside, uh, 11 million a year. Um, I, and he's, you know, Buffalo bill. I think that's, uh, that's enough reason for Dable and Shane to give him, uh, an extra look. But, uh, if he is too rich for their blood, you got to feel good about David Long, Jermaine Pratt, or Bobby O'Kirk. Any of those three guys. If we sign any of those three guys, I'm sounding the trumpets, dude. Sound the feasting horn. And then we'll take a look at the corners. This is the last of the 
need positions for us. Um, again, I've, you know, we talk about being burned by Kenny Galladay as a free agent wide receiver signing. I think that uh, there's something to be said about <laughs> the number of corners that have burned us. Uh, Janoris Jenkins, Eli Apple, DeAndre Baker. <sighs> the list goes on. So it's a lot of money to throw at a corner. And we, I think we proved and demonstrated this year that you don't, like obviously Dory Jackson is a top flight, top notch corner. Although some would say maybe he's overpaid. I don't know. Um, you do have to uh, think about possibly spending some money here. Although like, you know, Marcus Peters is the sixth ranked. There's 72 free agent quarterbacks. So there's, it's a deep field. I'll say that. And if you miss on a lot of these top corners, it's like, I'm, I don't think anyone's going to be devastated. The sixth ranked free agent corner is Marcus Peters, uh, Baltimore Raven, two years, $19 million, $9 million a year. Eh. James Bradbury, there's no shot in hell. He comes back to the Giants, uh, mostly because he hates the Giants, but also because three years, $51 million for a 29-year-old, $17 million a year. No, dude. No, no thanks. Jonathan Jones is also 29. Uh, his market value is two years, 24 million. His uh, average salary, 12 million. I'd say nah. Emmanuel Mosley, uh, Niners corner, 26 years old, four years, $16 million. Ooh, it's a lot of money. I don't I think we got to pass on that too. The number, th the third ranked corner, free agent corner by PFF, Cameron Sutton, Cam Sutton from the Steelers. Three years, $23 million, with an average salary of $7.6 million. I kind of like those numbers, dude. I don't hate that. He is, how old is he? I think he's 28. Yeah, he's 28. Three years would put him at 31. Hmm, I don't know. Ultimately, I think I would pass on that. Troy Hill, 31-year-old cornerback from the Rams, one year, 3.6 $9 million, nah. Patrick Peterson is the fourth-ranked free agent corner, uh, 32 years old, one year for $6.4 million. I know that's he's on the older side, not quite what he was. <sighs> tempting with a name like Pat. He's such a, a brand name. It's tempting to, to not consider him, but I think ultimately you probably have to pass. Rock Yasin. Corner for the Raiders, 26 years old, four years, $43 million, uh, average salary of $10 million. I, ooh, tempted. I am tempted by that, but I think there's a better option as of right now, although uh, I assume his, his numbers will go up, but we'll get to him in a second. Trey Flowers, 29-year-old uh, corner from the Bengals, three years, $34 million pass. And then the number one ranked corner by pff is jamel dean 26 year old play for the bucks three years the market value is three years 26 million dollars which puts his average salary around 8.7 million dollars i assume once word gets out that he's the top ranked free agent corner that that number will go up but if he can if we can stay if we can stay in 10 million dollar range that's tempting i think they should make a push for that so for me, the short list is Jamel Dean, Rakia Sin, and that's about it. I don't know. 
I don't know that you're really going to get too much bang for your buck with these other guys. Marcus Peters is 30. Bradbury's 29. Jones, 29. You know, Mosley's 26, but he, I think he's just too cost too much. I mean, Cam Sutton's 28. Yeah. Rocky Sin and Jamel Dean. But I, I mean, that's that's like, that's not even the full list. I mean, there's 70 odd, 70 some odd guys. I think you can find, again, you can find a corner or two in that three to five range, two to four range. That's what you're going to see. I think that's what you're going to see. You're going to see a lot of like two year, three year contracts that value, you know, average annual salary of three to five, two to four for sure. And then punters, sorry, there was one more, punters. I don't have any market values for these guys. All I know is we're not bringing back Riley Dixon. We're moving on from Jamie Gillen. Thomas Morstead would be kind of an interesting play. I know Tommy, I think Tommy Townsend is like the number one ranked free agent punter, but he's a restricted free agent, so that kind of puts a damper on things. Andy Lee is definitely a more familiar name, um, so I'd be tempted to go after him. And then I, th I believe, you know, Sam Martin, another Buffalo Bill. So <laughs> maybe we'll end up with Sam Martin. Who knows? But uh, yeah, that's the episode. Uh, a very premature look at uh, free agency. But uh, you got to feel somewhat, I mean, it, it was a shitty way to end the season. There's no two ways about it. But uh, seeing what Dable and Wink and Kafka and Shane were able to do with the personnel that they had, they, you know, yeah, they overachieved, but like now they're in a position to upgrade at several positions, maybe not like huge upgrades, but enough to get us back in the playoff hunt. And that's all that we're, we're really asking for is like, Hey, let's just be, let's just get in the postseason, and then crazy shit can happen. So, um, I, th I really do think the Eagles and Cowboys are in trouble next season. I think they have, they're they're strapped, and I don't know they're going to be able to bring a lot of people back. So it's like uh, for the Eagles, if you don't win the Super Bowl, I think you're you're um, you're poised for a little bit of a letdown next season. And I I just think that the Giants have uh, the right mentality to go out and draft the right guys. Although we're going to take a look at the draft history um, in the next episode to give you a sense of like let's temper our expectations about the draft. Like we need to build through the draft. Yes. A hundred percent. It's very important. Uh, but you're not going to hit on every guy, you know, uh, you, uh, when I reveal the hit rate, what I call the hit rate for these drafts dating back to pre free agency, when George young was our GM, um, it might, it's, it's, you know, you're going to, you're going to be a little surprised by the fact that like, no, and maybe this is just the Giants. Like this is a Giants thing, and a lot of other teams have a higher have higher hit rates, especially of late over the past decade plus. Like our drafting has not been great, um, and so far there have been a lot of people that are critical of Joe Shane's drafting, and uh, it's hard to argue with it. You know, looking at that class. So, um, but again, is it's a little too early to tell? Don't we think? With a lot of the the class of 2022, so that's the hope, right? You keep your top performers from the 2018 class, the 2019 class, 
and your 2020 class and your 2021 class, they get a little bit better, right? And then your 22 class gets a little bit better. And, you know, you're looking at um, a bunch of players that can rival what Reese put put together in terms of draft history. And he won two Super Bowls. So, <laughs> all right. That's the show. Thank you so much for watching and listening. And uh, check you later. We'll talk to you next week. Adios, machajos.